0: My view on blending technology and humans is you want an algorithm figuring out if you have diabetes and you want a human, a warm, kind human telling you what to do about that and what it means. That's how we build tech at Capsule.
1: The e-commerce world has gone through many evolutions, but there are certain industries which still remain woefully in the analog world. Healthcare is one of them, but Eric Kanariwala, the CEO of Capsule, says that won't be the case for long. Capsule is built in an entirely new, digital-first way to make better decisions surrounding your health. And Eric says that was just the first step. Hear what's next on this episode of Up Next in Commerce. I'm Stephanie Postles, your host and the CEO of Mission.org, and I'm excited to bring you today's conversation. the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Excited to have you on.
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: So I was looking at your background and it was very interesting seeing that you started out in the world of investing. And I wanted to actually hear, is that what brought you to Capsule? Did you see opportunities then or was it really your personal story and experience that had you founding Capsule? I wanted to hear where the beginnings came from.
0: Sure. Uh, so the you know the beginnings are, I was living uh, in New York City on the Lower East Side of New York and I woke up one morning and I had this terrible headache and called my doctor and and he asked me a series of questions and finally decided that I needed a pack and and called it in. And, and so I went out on this snowy, cold January morning to a corner pharmacy and literally everything you can think about going wrong at the pharmacy went wrong for me uh, that morning. And the long story short is I ended up coming back to my house like hours later with no medication in hand. And I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I had one of those moments just like, what, what just happened and how does this work? And I just started pulling at that thread um, and pretty quickly started to understand sort of not only why was my own experience really bad, but you know, how do pharmacies work and how are they set up and why are there so many of them? And, um, and pretty quickly, I started to see the patterns and harness some of the things that I'd explored when I was an investor. And I was investing you know in retail and in healthcare and in tech companies and now looking back of course like that makes tons of sense but it was really both it was really this kind of very deeply visceral personal experience at the pharmacy uh and then combine that with what i'd known about markets and industries and how you know how i thought the world of commerce might you know might evolve
1: mhm so i mean were you any bit nervous to start your own company because i Yeah. Like when you're in the world of investing, you're of course playing with someone else's money and there's a certain element of risk, but then knowing all the risk factors that come into play when you're investing in companies and maybe some aren't playing out the way that you thought they were. How did that, you know, come into the picture when you're all of a sudden thinking, okay, I'm going to start my own company now to solve this problem.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Somebody, somebody told me once like everything is safe in an Excel cell. And I think that's so true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. The learning is there are you know, real people and real things that need to happen to move those numbers in Excel cells around um, every week, every month, every day. And I think that's where all of the fun is, um, is being able to build an amazing team who's aligned and excited about a mission and coming in every day and solving really complicated, really hard problems uh, on behalf of the consumer. And, and then getting that feedback, getting that really tangible feedback every single day. When we do a great job and it changes the way people interact with their healthcare, and every now and then getting that feedback where, um, hey, you fell short. And I think that's also really motivating uh, to make sure that we continue to keep the product experience as frictionless as possible for both consumers and doctors.
1: Also, well, before I start digging deep into the pharmacy industry and what that looks like for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain what Capsule is?
0: Capsule is the easiest way to get and manage your medications. It's everything you'd ever want from a pharmacy right on your phone. We offer free same-day delivery. We have the ability for you to text or chat with a pharmacist about anything you might need to chat or know about from a pharmacist. We have price your medications, all of the medication details, all the information about your doctor. Uh, and then when you are uh, out of medication and time for a refill, we've already coordinated with your doctor and your insurance company to make sure that you never run out of any medication. It's the best pharmacy you can use and it's simple and it's free.
1: Yeah. So it seems obvious today. Like, wow, of course I need that. I've always needed that for a long time. But I want to hear about, I mean, the industry as a whole. I was reading, I think it's like the second biggest industry in retail. It's like a $400 billion industry, I think is what I read a number. It's probably bigger at this point. But what were some of the maybe things that you were uncovering when you were thinking about, like, should I start this company? Like, what were some of the things that you found that you're like, oh, that's why it works the way it does, or this is why it's location-based? Or what did you see that made you realize there was a big opportunity to disrupt how things were done?
0: There were three things that I learned along along that path. So the first is exactly what you mentioned. Like, wow, this is the second largest category of retail in America. There's 70,000 pharmacies. It's $400 billion. And gosh, like the experience hasn't changed in a hundred years. This is exactly the same way people have been doing this. And the world has changed pretty dramatically. And gosh, like I didn't really realize, but 70% of American adults go to the pharmacy at least every every month. And so it's this kind of omnipresent yet invisible part of our lives. Uh, So that was learning one big category, touches everybody, archaic and familiarly frustrating, right? Like 40% of the time you go, your, your medication's out of stock. You don't know the price. There's long wait times. You don't want to ask a question with everybody, you know, in your town, like in line behind you, like kind of just every part of it is really high friction. And I think unlike perhaps other categories of digital commerce, that friction of course is frustrating and time sucking and energy draining, but it actually leads to the fact that one out of two prescriptions in America goes unfilled. So it's both frustrating, but also just bad for people's health. So that was kind of learning number one. And then learning number two is really interesting, but the pharmacy is the most frequent interaction point in the entire healthcare system. The average consumer interacts with the pharmacy something like 10 times more often than they interact with their doctor. When we sat down, we thought about how do you like, what is a brand? How do you build trust with consumers? How do you actually change healthcare? And the conclusion we came to is that to change healthcare, people need to make better different decisions about their healthcare. And for people to make better different decisions about the healthcare, they need to trust the advice and the people they're getting the advice from. And then it's like, okay, well, what, like, how do you do that? Like, what is trust a function of? And we have learned that trust is really a function of two things. One, it's about having positive repeated interactions. And I think that's true with of course, with brands, but it's true with anybody. It's true with your friend or your spouse or your coworker. Like The more sequential, positive, repeat interactions I have, the more I trust you. And then it's about brand. And brands are really interesting. But when you really think about the origin of the word brand, it's like a physical marking that denotes this thing is trusted from some entity. It's been vetted. Those are the 2 things that we kind of roll up into trust. And so the pharmacy is a really interesting... Place um, to be able to build that trust so that people can make better, different decisions, and that you know over time we're changing the way they interact with their healthcare. Um, and then the third insight, um, which is maybe not as obvious, but I think it's sort of at this point, you know, you ask anybody like, "Hey, have you had a bad trip or a, a suboptimal experience at the pharmacy?" And I think that answer is almost universally yes. What's, what was also interesting was I started having this conversation. And learning about the experience that physicians have at the pharmacy and their staff have at the pharmacy and people that run hospitals and people that run insurance companies and people that run drug companies. And all of them started echoing the same thing, which is like, gosh, the way that this is set up isn't set up to help me take care of the people I need to take care of. Uh, and so those are the three foundational building blocks that we've built our business around over the last six and a half or seven years that we've really learned. It touches everyone. It's super high repeat. And it's not just the consumer, it's everybody in the healthcare system.
1: Got it. So why has no one solved this yet until now? Like, what were some of the barriers holding people up from making this a better experience?
0: I think there's two things. One is I think there were easier problems to solve. Candidly, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, <laughs> like, this is a pretty hard, this is a hard problem to solve.
1: You can start a t-shirt company or you can tackle the pharmacy industry. I don't know. Depends on, I guess, the exactly. day and how you're and feeling. They're both
0: worthy <laughs> endeavors. Um, we, we use lots of, we have lots of cool t-shirts. But so that was, you know, so one is it's, just, it's a very hard endeavor. And then I think the second is that it's a really high trust interaction. It's a really high trust category of, of retail or commerce. And it, in some ways, needs to sequentially come after consumers got comfortable doing other things digitally. Like you were, it was probably unlikely that you were going to start engaging with the most important thing in your and your family's life, which is your, which is your healthcare, uh, in a new way digitally before you started perhaps booking flights online or ordering food online or you know, uh, doing a lot of these other things. So I think there's a natural progression for when the consumer uh, was ready to adopt something like this. That's the first thing. But the second thing is it's in, people have tried to do this and they failed. And the reason that we believe people have failed is that they've solved the wrong problem and that they haven't solved it in uh, a really thoughtful way. And so I think a lot of people, when they initially learn about capsule, look at capsule, they think it's about delivery. And what we've unequivocally learned over the last you know many years and serving hundreds and hundreds of thousands of customers is that delivery is important, but delivery is sort of table stakes for any modern retailer today. You're going to be able to get everything delivered from your phone uh, in, in short order, even if you, know, you can't already. But what's not is that the pharmacy isn't... It's not really a transactional experience. It's really different from buying A book or a pack of batteries. Like there's all of this service and advice and human interaction that's wrapped around every time you actually physically get the pills. You know, everything from your insurance to how do you pay for it to how do you take it to I ran out and I need more to my insurance company is requiring something, you know, that I don't understand. Um, All of those things make the interaction really tough. Um, And then I think that. It's just got a lot of moving pieces. You've got, you know, we have our own pharmacies, we have our own pharmacists, we have our own couriers, and we've rebuilt all of the software that powers this entire end-to-end experience ourselves. So it's not just the beautiful and easy app. It's all of you know, it's the 90% of the things you don't see that's under the surface, you know, the iceberg that powers that simple and delightful and easy experience. And so maybe the easiest way of putting it is making something hard look easy is really hard. And there's a lot of different layers around regulatory complexity. You need a lot of money to be able to scale something like this. And then it's just sort of the breadth of things. You want to serve the doctor in the right way. You want to serve the consumer. You have logistics. You have physical pharmacies. You've got inventory. You've got consumer-facing products, physician-facing products, uh, and then a series of internal tools that we've built. Uh, And we've done all of that simultaneously to kind of build that experience to make it easy.
1: Wow. The question that's popping in my head now is, what does the future of pharmacies look like? Like, do we even need them? Because in one way I can see a piece where you're building up the brand around certain pharmacies and they get to know them and they know the pharmacist there. But then another way I'm like, couldn't you just consolidate or eventually they'll all end up having to consolidate because you don't really need them based off geography anymore. I don't need to pick the one that's closest to me. I can just pick the one that has the best experience and maybe that eliminates three others. That's just unnecessary to even be in that location. To serve the people around them, like
0: yeah, you can just pick capsule.
1: Yeah, so yeah, basically, no, pharmacies yeah. are going to go away <laughs> in the future, like completely, or is there still a need to have them?
0: So I have this interesting perspective. Uh, if you kind of just take a, a step back and look at the evolution of e-commerce, it's pretty or digital commerce is pretty interesting. So uh, for local commerce, right, storefronts on street corners, the first wave of e-commerce was sort of like the mid '90s, mid to late '90s, when Amazon and uh, a handful of other companies started. And that was really cool. You're like, wow, I have all of this selection on the internet. I never have to talk to a human and I can have this thing brought to me in, you know, seven to 10 days. And that increasingly got better. And over the next 10 years, that got totally saturated and you could literally just buy anything commodity product on the internet, right? There was lampshades.com and there was, you know, greenmugs.com and there was just this enormous proliferation. And so then you had the second wave of e-commerce emerge where people started taking these commodity items uh, and using the power of the internet to build connections with consumers, but still eliminating the need for a human away and Casper and a myriad of other things that take building brands, but still eliminating the need for the human. And then you basically have over the next 10 years, like literally Warby Parker for X as like, you know, a theme or a meme. And then you have the third wave of commerce. And if you really think about over the last five or seven years, like, Well, what's left? Like, what are the things that people actually don't do that prevalently online? It's three categories. It's real estate, it's financial services, and it's healthcare. The common thread across those three things is one, they're all regulated. Two, they're really high trust. And three, they're complex. And maybe the fourth is that you actually need the human involved or want the human involved in that transaction versus eliminating the need for the human. And so you need a different operating model, a different operating system to actually build an experience that people are going to engage with in those three categories. And so what we've done at Capsule and one of the things that we think is really different and is is part of the future of pharmacy is that you need to blend the human and technology in a really novel way so that the pharmacists who are always going to be an essential part of pharmacy and medications and drugs, um, they're doing the things that they're very much educated and trained and experts in. And technology is helping them do that and become super, super powered pharmacists versus doing really routine tasks. Um, So, that's one sort of thought in terms of where we've come and where we're going. The other view is that this idea of like non experiential local retail is going to go away. So, the idea that storefronts on street corners that aren't an experience, all that's going to live in your phone. Um, And so, you can imagine a world where, when you walk around on the ground streets of any big city like New York or Austin or L.A., it's bars and salons and cinemas and restaurants. But things that are fairly transactional or things that are non-experiential are going to live on your phone. And I think the pharmacy is really interesting because I think for some people, the pharmacy is completely non-experiential, and for other people, depending on who they are and their you know how old they are potentially. The pharmacy actually is an experience and it's a positive experience. It's part of their routine. But I think by and large, if you were to fast forward five years, 10 years, 15 years from now, almost factually fewer people are going to be walking into pharmacies and getting their medications and interacting with that experience that way, right? We think that like other categories, like apparel, 50% of apparel sold online, we think pharmacy is on that same steep trajectory of shifting from offline to online
1: are you thinking about ways of potentially positioning capsule in a way that it can be experiential? Because when I think about it, like I don't really go to the pharmacy that much unless it's for my kids. Um, so very, very rare, unless there's something very wrong. Um, But I think about it like if there was other reasons to go or like have some experience with capsule where it's like more of a health focused thing that you can try out new health things. It's not all doctor led. It's not all prescriptions, like blending in an element that you can kind of create an experience around as well. Is that something that you guys have explored or are you like, well, that's not really the vertical we're in. And we'll leave that to everyone else who needs to get there with retail.
0: Yeah, I think I think, look, the focus for, for the focus for us has really been around making sure the digital experience is actually an experience and it's great and easy and high trust. And there's always somebody looking after your healthcare care needs mm-hmm. um, whenever you need them and and you can access it how and when and where you want. Um, I am sure that over time there's a role for physical retail. Um you know, in our business as well, but we've been pretty focused on the digital experience for now.
1: I wanna talk a bit about trust because you mentioned the, you know, the industries, the problems that maybe why people haven't been tackling them and having high trust, especially in this world is necessary. How did you go about developing that or what things did you put in place that maybe worked really well or maybe you learned from other industries of like how to develop trust online and what things maybe didn't perform as expected?
0: So I think trust is really interesting. And in some ways, trust is really simple. And in some ways, it's really complex. But I think in some ways, trust is simply doing what you're saying you're going to do Mm -hmm. and doing that repeatedly over time. Because then the next time, their expectation is that you're going to do it. And if you meet that, then there's just like emerging trust that forms versus um, the opposite where you you tell the consumer you're going to do something and they experience it differently, they immediately stop trusting you. So one is Trust and the brand are formed through, you know, amazing execution. That's the true, like, manifestation of our brand is when people actually use the experience, you know, they actually use Capsule and they experience it, and it works as well or better than they thought it would be. We start building trust with the customer. Um, So that's one. And then two is I think the way we've designed the experience sort of inherently engenders... Uh, trust and I remember this time, a handful of weeks after we launched the business back in 2016, we had somebody text in kind of towards the end of the evening. And she was chatting in through the app, basically, and and chatting with our pharmacist um, and and kind of sharing like, hey, you know, asking a question like, hey, can I take you know, can I take these supplements while I'm pregnant? And then there was just like pause, and was like this dot dot dot, and it's like, is it weird I'm telling you? that, you know, you're the first person that knows I'm pregnant. Uh, and there was this like a moment where you're like, oh my God, like people really trust this experience because it's personal and it's in their hand, but there's a real human on the other end of it. It's not a chat bot, you know, trying to do something um, that can't be done uh, with technology. And so that was like a real moment for us where we, un- where we realized that people really trusted the experience and they trusted the people behind the experience to provide them with you know, really good uh, and thoughtful and trustworthy information about their health
1: care. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're gonna go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about, publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. So behind every chat is an actual human now?
0: Yeah, it's always been human. No robots in the the chat.
1: So then what do you think when you look at other brands? Because I feel like it went so far, you know, one way of like heavily relying on bots then I've seen a lot of companies kind of pulling back and saying, okay, maybe, depending on, you know, what the conversation is, like, what do you think when you look at the, you know, commerce industry as a whole right now, when knowing what you know and knowing what at least your customers are enjoying and what they expect, what do you think that's going to look like over the coming years? Because to me, it feels like it's still headed in the way of like, automate everything, try and put bots behind everything. Yeah. Uh,
0: My view on blending technology and humans is, You want an algorithm figuring out if you have diabetes and you want a human, a warm, kind human, telling you what to do about that and what it means. That's how we build tech at Capsule and that's how we try to build the experiences. How does the technology do something better than humans can do it as opposed to in lieu of humans doing it Mm -hmm. poorly? And so, you know, I think it'll be a long time before there's the level of generalized artificial intelligence that can make a conversation about a wide variety of complicated healthcare topics, productive for the consumer in a way that's not you know, unbelievably frustrating. Uh, and I think we have a long way to go on that. I think it's difficult to do simple things like change your flights or the seats on your flight or the time on your flights, let alone somebody explaining to you how your medication works what the instructions are, what the side effects should be or yeah. how an insurance plan works. I think those things are going to be pretty hard to do. I'm optimistic about the future of technology, and I think it compounds really fast, but we aren't anywhere close to a place where, where those things can work in a way that's seamless and good and better for, for the consumer. And so for us, it's all about what's the right thing for the consumer and what's better for the consumer. Uh, and that's how we you know, have always built the business and the brand.
1: I think you need to tackle the insurance industry next because it's <laughs> very confusing. I don't really understand what I'm buying every month and it seems like there's a big opportunity there and you like to tackle hard to tackle industries. So I don't know, just saying it could be a great opportunity eventually. For sure. I mean, over the past two years or so, have you seen expectations of your customers quickly rising because all of a sudden they're doing, you know, interacting in different ways, buying things in different ways? they have you know, higher and higher expectations of how things should look and feel and who should be on the other side and whatever it may be. Have you seen things change from when you started it where people were probably like, okay with things being you know, better than their current experience to now they look on the screen, they're like, well, how I buy my groceries should maybe be how I buy you know, my pharmaceuticals and how I talk to so-and-so it should be the same as, you know, I should be able to text them. And what does that look like?
0: Well, fortunately we started in New York uh, mm-hmm. Where we have always had very demanding and discerning <laughs> consumers, perfect. And so, for, so sort of out of the gate, the bar and the quality for what needed to exist um, was really, really high. And we've improved that experience since we launched it. And so, I haven't seen, I haven't seen that change incrementally because of the pandemic. Um, but that—that's also some of that is a function of because the experience that we've always put out in the world is really high quality. We've always believed what. What you just said is almost a core premise for the business existing. Why is it easier for me to get and manage my groceries? Why is it easier for me to get and manage how I go to and from the airport? Why is it easier for me to manage my travel plans than it is for me to manage mine and my family's health? That's always been a core part of it. And so we've always believed that to get somebody to change an ingrained habit of which going to the pharmacy every month is... Uh, it needs to be quote unquote, right? Like the proverbial 10x better. And that's the standard we've always held ourselves to because we know one, people deserve it. Like they should have something that's 10x better. Yep. Like it's unfair that they, that they, that people tolerate that. Um, and the second is that habits are hard to break. And so it just needs to be in every way objectively better uh, and delightful yeah. for people to want to break their habits.
1: I want to hear about from building the company what's been maybe the hardest thing you've had to tackle where you look back on it now and you're like, wow, I'm surprised we got past that piece or like those regulations or whatever it might be. Like what's yeah, some of the hardest points in the company's history that you had to push through?
0: Uh, I mean, I think there's been a lot of really interesting challenges and problems to solve. Some of them are on their own, I think are really, really tough and interesting. And then some of it is actually the challenge of doing all of these things at the same time and simultaneously in a really integrated and seamless way. And so on its own, Setting up one pharmacy isn't, that's not, it's not that hard. Um, And building a consumer facing app, like, you know, people do that. And building internal software as a service, people do that too.
1: Usually separately.
0: Separately. And building a logistics network of, (laughs) you know, of folks that are background checked and HIPAA trained and having and hiring and training pharmacists. Um, And all those things in some shape or form exist in the world, but doing them together in a way that they're an integrated, seamless whole uh, and then doing that in parallel dozens and dozens of places at a time uh, while you're growing the business, you know, you're doubling and tripling the business every year uh, I think is incredibly, is incredibly difficult to do. Uh, and that's, that's also what the magic of the experience is. Like the magic is that it feels like one person made it and it's end to end seamless um, versus it being glued together. And you can kind of see the, you know, it's a disjointed experience in that. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think that making that, you know, taking that complexity and distilling it into something really simple is super hard.
1: How did you, as a founder, orchestrate all of those, I mean, essentially kind of like separate businesses being built in parallel in a way that works together? Like what are some maybe lessons for anyone who's tackling big challenges like this, you know, to make all those pieces work together in the way that they do today?
0: I think it all comes back to the values and the culture of the company. Uh, and, and really, that's what guides how we operate and how we make decisions and who we ask to join the team and who we ask to lead the team. And in the spirit of keeping things simple, we, we have two values uh, that guide all of the decisions that we make at, at Capsule. Um, the first is everybody needs some looking after sometimes. And the second is winning together. And the first one, everybody needs some looking after sometimes. Uh, is the idea that the best brands in the world and the best companies in the world are internally and externally aligned. So the promise that we make to our customer, whomever that customer is, a consumer, a doctor, a health insurance company, is the same promise that we make to ourselves as a team. And so our customer promise is is and has always been we have your back, we're in your corner, we will give you the peace of mind that comes from having somebody looking after your healthcare so you can go and live your best life. And the translation of that internally is that my job is to enable everybody on the team to do the best work of their careers, and their job is to enable their peers to, to do that. So that's value one. And then value two is winning together. And we think about that as we want to win together across the healthcare ecosystem, and then we want to win together uh, as a team um, and then we want to win together as individuals. But for us, winning is accomplishing ambitious objectives and together is doing it in a way where your success uplifts and empowers those around you. And so doing both of those things are a really essential part of kind of who we are as a company. But those are the two values. And I think that that's, that's the thing that shapes everything. Um, and so every day we try to do more of those two things and it helps make everything else go a lot faster.
1: Love that. Well, Eric, that is an awesome place to end this episode today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people uh, learn more about Capsule and follow you on your journey?
0: Sure. Uh, they can go to Capsule.com uh, or follow us on Twitter at Capsule Cares or me at Ekinariwala.
1: Amazing. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Stephanie. Listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast.